Build Radio, Episode 7. Okay, so we know that Build is definitely in the building. Make some noise, Build! Build solve real problems. Build future. Build solve real problems. There's a lot of gun violence in my community. I always have to be careful when I go out to the streets because, like, I never know when they're gonna start shooting. Carlos was uh, 18 years old. He was gunned down when she was only 15 years old. You're not gonna do this to my city. You're not gonna do this to our children. We need help. We need help now. We need to stop it now. You are listening to B.O. Radio. How B.O. made me feel, made me feel like I'm in a safe haven, like I'm protected, I'm guarded. How do I feel about B.O.? I feel like they're going to help me make it in life. It just makes me feel at home, like I have people that care about me here. I look at B.O. like family, so they mean a lot to me. It make me feel like I'm smart, like I'm a part of something good instead of being a part of some violence or something bad. I feel loved when I come to B.O. Hello, hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the seventh episode of our Build Radio podcast series. On this episode, we highlight the story of a special young man who proves that with the right helping hand and opportunity, you can rise above the streets and the gang life that captures so many of the youth coming up on Chicago's south and west sides. Latif Smith shows that people can change. He shows why you should never give up on a young person, and he is a testament to the power and efficacy of the Build model. Within our time, we'll hear Latif tell his story in his own words. One that he delivered in front of close to a thousand people at our gala this past May, and was received by a standing ovation. At that event, as Latif spoke about getting shot in 2016, one of those thousand people watching was a police officer who remembered that night and was brought to tears seeing Latif for the first time since, up at the podium in a tuxedo, talking about how he now wants to go to college and become a social worker, and maybe even come back and work at Build. So for this episode, we brought in that police officer. 15th District Commander Ernest Cato to sit down with Lati and express what seeing him up there that night meant to him. And for these two individuals, the ex-gang member and the cop, to talk about growing up on the west side, gang life, opportunity, and hope. So without any further ado, here's Lati's story, followed by a poignant in-studio conversation with Lati himself and 15th District Commander Cato. Thanks for listening. My father, a Vietnam veteran, passed away at 73 years old. I hear his voice saying to me, always respect your ear, the son. Don't be a follower, be a leader. Good evening, my name is Lati Smith, and I am a builder. When I look back on who I was at 13 years old, I was rowdy, forming cliques with the other boys on the block so that we could be known. I was in the seventh grade at Leland Elementary School. Bill would host basketball tournaments after school, and there's where I met Mike and Coco. This day was just like any other day. Me and my friends were playing basketball at Moore Park. On our way home, we bumped into some friends, and they invited us to go see some some other friends that lived in Rivals gang neighborhood. While we were walking, I started getting a strange feeling, like I knew something was going, going to go bad, but there was no going back, even if I decided to go back. 
I would be considered as a punk. And that's the last thing you want to be known for in the streets. So I had to toughen it out. Here comes the fork in the road. Am I a leader or a follower? Despite what my gut said, I went with my boys. And that's when the shots rang out. I'm hit. My boys left me there alone. How do I stay alive? I don't want to die to the streets. I want to die in peace, live a full life, just like my pops. I wake up in the hospital. All my friends that left me behind were there. I really did not want to see them at the moment. This was a turning point for me, an eye-opener, to see the value of life. During this time, I was a part of Bill, but not as a regular participant. Even still, the staff members reached out and were there for me with uplifting prayers and guidance directing me through this situation that could have been much worse if I decided to retaliate. Instead, I decided to fall back a little from the streets and started coming to Bill every day. Everyone at Bill always showed me love. One of my most memorable Bill moments was when I was invited to the fellowship with the seniors at the nursing home. We played cards with them, gave them food, and had a good time. I enjoyed giving back to my elders, especially at a time when I was on crutches and felt helpless. But with them, I felt I was making a difference. The words of my father, I always respect your elders, son, rang in my ears. I felt at home, I felt supported, and I felt good. I continued coming to Bill, and it was surprising when they named me Bill the other month. Even more encouraging to me were the uplifting conversations with Booney, Mike, and Marn. They helped me get my mind focused on the right path. I have since gone out of state on a college tour with Miss Ebony and Miss D. Being on a college tour taught me more than just the academic side of college. I had never really thought about going to college until that trip, which showed me what college is really like. For the past two years, I have worked for One Summer Chicago with Bill. I have also held a part-time job for the past three years blowing glass. I have made things like drinking glasses, figurines, and even a cereal bowl with a handle that allows you to pick it up and drink the milk. This is a craft and skill that I really enjoy and I will continue working on. I want to thank everyone at Bill for being there for me. Lastly, I want to thank my dad who died earlier this year. I know he is in heaven now, watching over me and my brother. I dedicate this letter to you, Pops. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. If we really want to end the violence in Chicago, we need to go beyond put the guns down. We need to change the story about what it means to grow up black or brown in Chicago. We need to make the potential of the young people the focus, not just our problems. 
We need to transform lives to create hope and build futures. We can't do it alone. Invest in our potential. Chicago young people are worth it. This is Charles Peanut Tillman. This is Commissioner Boykin. Hi, I'm Sam Macho. I'm George McCaskey. This is U.S. Senator Dick Durbin, and you're listening to... And you're listening to... And you're listening to... You are listening to Build Radio. Build Radio. Build Radio. Build Radio. Build Radio. That's right. That's right. You're listening to Build Radio here once again on the Build Radio podcast. We have a very special segment for everybody today. We've got Commander Ernest Cato of the 15th District and Latif Smith of Build Youth here on the show with us. And we're very excited to uh, have you all on. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for having us. Of course. Of course. How's everybody doing today? Good. Wonderful. So we're a couple weeks uh, back now, but... Um, May 3rd, Build had its 50th anniversary gala, and Lati, you were selected as one of the speakers of that event. Um, you did an amazing job, I want to say. I'm, I know you. you've, you've heard, but when I, was, when I was up there, I mean, Build staff, folks were crying. I heard people were crying downstairs. I definitely, and I, it wasn't my first time hearing it, but I definitely teared up a little bit. Um, the intervention guys were glowing, man, with pride. Like, I had never, like, I haven't seen those guys so, like, like, that's our boy, that's our boy, man. It was really, it was really something special. But that's what I've heard from everybody else. So I wanted to ask you uh, what that night was like for you. Man, it was like a night I mm-hmm. can't forget. Yeah. You know, um, something I'm going to you know, keep with me for the rest of my life because sure. um, I feel like I changed a lot of people's lives and I, you know, I put them in my shoes and I, you know, I let them... Uh, you know, they don't, they don't know, like, how life is out here, sure. you know, for the people that's been in the street. So for me to tell my story and, like, let them know, like, how it is, like, that was a, a big, like, step for me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm proud of myself. And, you know, I'm I'm happy that, you know, I got that story out. Yeah. Um, Have you ever spoken in front of something like that before? No. That was probably close to a 1,000 people. Hey, I was nervous, man. <laughs> wow. Were you, were you shaking? Like, how, how nervous were you? Because you did. Like, no so one would have known, really? Yeah. No one would have known. Um, so then, Commander Kato, so tell us about your experience on seeing Lati on stage. Because there's a backstory be- between this. And we, we're going to play, before people listen to this, they'll have heard the story that you recorded earlier. So they'll kind of know what's going on. But so how were you involved with Lati's story, with, with him getting shot back in that 2016 um, and turning around, Commander Kato? Well, I, I tell you what... Uh, at that particular time, that happened in March 2016. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was the tactical lieutenant here in the 15th District, Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Austin is a beautiful community that's held hostage by so many economic issues and lack of hope and opportunity. So Lati just pretty much fell into that issue where someone who doesn't have hope or some form of opportunity. But I want to backtrack back to that 50th gala mm-hmm. to watch Lati walk out on that stage, see... I personally have an experience with Lati, mm-hmm. you know, and I know a little bit about him and his family and his brothers. Mm-hmm. So when I saw Lati walk out on that stage, it caught my attention right away. And I was just totally just not only blown away, young man, but I tell you, you gave me what I've been feeling and what I know. When you give someone a form of some form of opportunity, hope, some attention, they will transform 
And that's what you did that particular night, to watch you stand up on that stage and start to honestly tell your story. And for me to know your story and to hear you tell your story, it, it did something for me. It has motivated me to continue to focus on our young generation out here, to not treat our young people like they're invisible, because they do have some problems and we need to help. And I tell you, you've been, you've, someone extended their hands out to you and you took their hand and you're actually holding on and you're using it. And you're using it, using it as a tool. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I come from a background where I had to ask for help. And I continue to ask people for help. And when you ask people for help, they're going to do their best to help you. And when they see that you're improving, they're going to want to push you harder so that you can continue to improve. And young man, it did a lot for me. You know, he talked about how he got teary-eyed. Man, I felt like you were my own son. I got teary-eyed sitting up at that, at that table also just watching because I know when you got shot. You know, I remember that night. You know, I remember, you know, I got a couple of young men running into the police station who had been shot. You know, and then to see you at your school, I remember that day when I came to talk to you at your school, and I saw the troubles and the problems that was going on. I was even told that, you know, that kid there is going to be a problem for you. He's going to cause nothing but problems in this area from robbing people, from uh, shootings, and being involved in gangs. But guess what, young man? You've proven everybody wrong. Yeah. And, I, and I'm your biggest cheerleader, my friend. <laughs> I, I could, you know, I sat at that table, and I had to hit Adam over in the arm. I goes, that's Latte. And I couldn't stop saying it. And now I have your picture on my phone, and I show it around. And I went to, I just recently spoke at your school, Leland, mm -hmm. at your school, Leland. And I talked about the success that you're showing. I talked about the improvement that you're showing. I explained you are a prime example of how someone who comes from a difficult situation, you're going to turn your life around. And it's huge. I don't know if I answered your question, but mm -hmm. I could, I'm sitting here with Latina, yeah. and I'm getting all motivated again because yeah. I, there's a, quite a few of you out there. Yeah. But I want you to do me a favor, Latina. When that? you find time, you got to come back to the school, and you got to tell those same young kids in that mm -hmm. school how you're doing it because they need to know that the story in their life doesn't end, that there's a different chapter, and it's a better chapter as long as they reach out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Latina, what was it in you? Because, I mean, I— I read you were in the Washington Post, which was a really amazing piece. Um, There's a lot of stuff I didn't know. And they were talking about how, you know, and I think maybe you mentioned your story as well, but all you were thinking about was revenge. Like when, when it happened, when you woke up in the hospital, you were thinking about how do I get back at this guy? How do I get back at this guy? What was, how did, it, how did it, that switch change in you to, to decide to finally go out and try and find a higher, more positive path? Like even going to build, like coming to build, that's a decision you have to make to come to build. Like how did you make that decision in yourself? Um, really just my friends, man, like, I seen how they was after I got shot, but at the time when I was shot, they, like, they was talking about doing revenge for me, you mm -hmm. know, but, um, like, just knowing, like, me, like, I know I'm a better person than that, like, I know I can do better in life, so, like, I just told myself I need to get on some positive, like, I was tired of getting locked up, you know, tired of losing friends, and... Yeah. Right, so I ain't want to be around that environment no more. So I knew Bill was a positive place to come to. So, mm -hmm. you know, I started coming to Bill, and, you know, they started putting money in my pocket. So I knew I ain't had to go out there and hustle or none of that. Yeah. Right, so um, I started coming to Bill, and, you know, they had jobs for me and put money in my pocket so I can, you know, stay off the street. And 
know, I just kept coming and, you know, they kept me with jobs and kept me doing positive things and things I like to do, like play, play ball, you know, or play softball, you know. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you didn't hear what well, T said multiple times, put money in his pocket, mm-hmm. gave him a job, uh, had an opportunity to go play some form of sports, I tell you, the majority of young kids out here on the street today, it isn't by choice. Sure. It's not by choice. You know, uh, they do want things. They do want to eat decent food. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they're out here. They want to help their parents. They want to help their mothers pay the bills. So they're going to get out here to help their mothers put some groceries on the table, help their little brother or sister get diapers or formula. They're going to get out here and they're going to sell drugs Mm -hmm. because that's the opportunity that's afforded to them. Unfortunately, we have communities like this. But we have organizations like BUILD and other community organizations who are teaching these kids life skills and showing them something very important, giving them attention, Mm -hmm. not treating them like they're invisible, they're going to change their lives, you know. But the thing about it, it has to be consistent and it has to be persistent, meaning that today I'm not going to show this young man a little love today so that I can get recognized for I'm either in it for the long haul or I'm not. And I tell you, Lati, I'm in it for the long haul, bro, because, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I am very, I, you know, I can't say this enough. I'm very impressed with you. Because you said something else. You were tired of the way things were. Mm -hmm. So you decided to make a strategic decision that was going to help you. And you did it. Mm -hmm. You know, someone didn't bring you. We can get you in this building. We can trick you to come in the building. We can lead you in here with a couple of dollars, like you said. But when it comes down to it, it's going to be up to you to stay. Mm -hmm. And you stay in the course, my friend. Continue to stay the course. Mm -hmm. Lati, what has it been like? um, Because you've been in the media a handful of times with interviews and and Washington Post, I think, WTTW. Uh, What has that been like being able to use your story as like a a place of power to to try and help others make similar decisions? How does that make you feel? Good. Like, because I feel like I can change a lot of people's lives just telling my story, Mm -hmm. you know. And I got a couple of my homies, I got the streets, you know, because they look up to me and. They see me doing better, so, you know, they wanted to do better. But mm-hmm. it, it make me feel good, you know, telling my story to people that want to know and, like, know, want to know what I'm going through or, you know, what we going through yeah. as a community, you know. Definitely. Yeah, kind of like, uh, I mean, we have, like, different sorts of ambassadors here, but it's just it's, it's being a leader, you know. Yeah. It's being it's that leadership. And I know people always toss around that, that word when they talk about you. Um, can I ask how old were you when you first got involved with Gang Life? Um. I was around at around eight years old, but right, cause my family, like I used to look up to my my nephews, um, they older than me, so um, when I used to go around, like they used to um, claim a gang, and you know I thought it was cool, and they was making money, you know, had all the females, so mm-hmm. I thought it was cool, so I waited till I got a certain age, around eleven or twelve, and you know I started to be with my own gang, you know, mm-hmm. where well, we wasn't a gang, but you know it was friends, and you know we really became a gang in 2014. That's when we lost a homie, a mm-hmm. friend, and a close friend, and um, we just made a gang out of them. And ever since, like we we just went on with with that gang name. It was yeah. KMG. Okay, it's interesting how like leadership skills are still leadership skills on the street, mm-hmm. you know, but then you can take them and choose to use them for something more positive and something more uh, beneficial. Uh, 
Can you guys talk about um, mentors and mentors that you've had? Mentorship is such a huge thing. I think that's something that's kept you at build. You know, you talk about uh, maybe Pablo and Boone and some of these guys. Um, I want both of you to tell me about some mentors that have helped you on your path, you on your path to success and you at yours, you know, what you've done with build. Uh, I'm going to say Booney because Booney, he was he was um, around when I was still in the streets. Like, mm-hmm. that's who used to try to, like, get us to come to build. Um um, Mike and them too, like they they um, you know they they told us about like they programs and stuff and like how they play basketball because they they knew like we liked it to play basketball when they used to um have it after school so mm-hmm. they used to tell them like yeah man y'all can kind of build man y'all can you know play basketball more you know they really try to like keep us off the street mm-hmm. you know but they weren't really talking to us about the jobs because they knew what we was on but they you know they tried their best to keep us off the streets like telling us come um to be every after school and you know we did like you know just to get off the streets you know um but i can say you know they um been a big part of my life all of them mm-hmm. marn pablo all of them just you know? positive role models yeah. you know male role models i'm sure it's a huge effect um can you tell us about some of the mentors in your life and your trajectory to success Sure. I, you know, first of all, Lati mentioned when he first started becoming a part of a gang, he said eight years old. All right. Now, if you you have mentors, could be the positive or they can be negative mentors. So let's be clear on that. Uh, he's right. The majority of these young folks who are starting to get into the gangs, they're getting into them a lot younger. It's because of who they are with at that particular time. We need more positive mentors out here to be with our young folks out on these streets. Fortunately, we do have organizations like Build that are out there. They put, he mentioned Booney. That's a huge name. Now, Booney comes with a lot of credibility because if we all know, Booney was incarcerated. So he knows what it's meant to go through that life. He knows the destruction that he's caused and now the repairs that he's putting in place. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to see these young folks go through the things that he went through. Booney is a huge part of this Build organization. I see Booney out on the street nonstop getting in the middle of possible gang conflicts, which is a great resource for us. My mentor, for me, I was very fortunate. My mentor was my grandfather. He was a, he was a man who came from the backwoods of Mississippi. He didn't graduate from uh, grades. I don't think he finished the sixth grade, but he was a hard worker. He was such of a hard worker, he pushed that on me. I had, an op- I had a choice on Sundays. It was to go to church with my grandmother or stay with my grandfather. Well, when I got lazy on Sundays, I decided to stay with my grandfather, but guess what? I was cleaning the alley. I was cleaning vacant lots. <laughs> so guess what? I went to church every Sunday. I went to church every Sunday. But uh, bless my grandfather, so right now he has passed. He was a huge part of my life, even to this day. He grabbed me as a young man because like a lot of us, a lot of young black men, and I would say a lot of young black and brown young men, we, uh, we don't grow up with our fathers. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our fathers have moved on and did other things. But my grandfather was in my life from day one, and he pushed me from day one. And the things that I wanted to do, he helped me achieve those goals. You know, and when I started to lean the other way, because let's keep it real, I, I was raised on this west side too, and I ain't always been the police. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I, I seen the things that you've been going through. Like T, I pretty much lived that life as a young guy. By witnessing things, I've lost some friends, you know, so I I do understand that every time you young men leave your door, you have a navigation course like no others than most people live in other other areas. Mm -hmm. Every time you walk out your doors, you have a decision to make 
and you have to be strategic about it. Mm-hmm. Do I, can I walk this way today? Mm-hmm. If, exactly. I go, yeah, if I go this way, man, them dudes going to be down there waiting on me. You know, okay, man, okay, if, but if I go this way, the same thing. Man, the police is over there. If I walk that way, they're going to stop me. So you, yeah. you're making, you got to make decisions every day that young folks should not have to make. You know, one of my biggest goals one day as I continue to, because I, I love the work that I do right now, the, you know, being a commander of the 15th district has given me the ability to affect so many lives that it, I feel that I'm very humbled. Yeah. To have this job, I, I'm very humbled that I have an opportunity to sit here with you and be some part of your life because I feel like I play a role in it, and I continue. I want to continue to play that role. But policing has changed. Policemen, you know, our goal now is to take a holistic approach when addressing violent areas, and if that means that police have to be mentors to the young people in this community, then we're gonna have to be mentors. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want the young folks in the community to be looking at the drug dealers as a mentor. I want to create an opportunity where I can find you mentors, if it's me. You know, if I have to spend one minute with each of you a day, 100 people, then so be it. But the goal is, my biggest mentor, I think I got off it a little bit, is was my grandfather. Mm-hmm. And although he's no longer here with me, he is with me because I pretty much lead my life the way that he wants me to lead it. So if it wasn't for him, I could have easily been a different person right now. Yeah. How do you guys think that it's the, the best ways that we can be reaching our young people? Like, for you, what turned you around was getting shot, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that shouldn't have to be right. the case. So it's like, so, like, what are some ideas, perhaps, from you guys to, to be engaging young people and getting them on, a, on this positive road before something like that or even worse Well, I'll happens? tell you what we're doing now. You know, and with now the police department, that's one of our biggest goals is to engage, have positive engagement with young folks to help create opportunities for them. At the 15th District presently, we have a Hip Hop Tuesday program. Mm. Every Tuesday, young folks from uh, when during the school year, they can come from 4 to 8 o'clock and hang out at the 15th District. Our officers will assist in homework, some form of mentorship. Uh, we've, we had someone who donated f- nine 50-inch screen televisions where the kids can have gaming systems where they play. But prior to any games, we're going to do homework and we're going to have a peace circle and we're going to talk about... L- uh, events that are actually occurring in the community, how we can work with it. We also have a leadership council, and their job is to advise me on what I could be doing better, things I could be doing better in the community to to assist our youth. Uh Also, we have an Explorers program. It's the best Explorers program in the country because we literally do everything and anything with our youth. We're up to approximately almost 50 members, and we're constantly interviewing young more folks to come in. but the goal is to just have more positive engagements with police, uh, let our youth know that we're there for them. Right. And like T, I say that, man, we are here for you, bro, because I want to see you succeed. I, 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 anything that you need from me, if I can't do it, I'm going to find someone else to do it. And those are the police that we're looking for. Police are not just only police in communities anymore. We're going to become the fabric that's a part of the community. And that means having more engagement with our youth, positive engagements. That's amazing. Did you know any of that? Mm-mm. Do you think kids, like the people that you know, would be down to go to the police station and do that stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah? I think, yeah. Cool. I mean, it's nine flat screen TVs. Like, sure. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Just while we're kind of talking about the 15th District in that regard, can you talk a little bit about um, your community and partner engagement work that you guys have been doing? I've heard you've gotten some, some praise a little bit. 
Well, you know what? It's, uh, it's actually it's called our awesome response team, and it's an art. It's, Ooh, it, it, is that it, some it, pun play on words? Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely an art. It's policing, as I said before, has changed. Uh, policing now is more about a partnership, and it's very important that we have partnerships within our community, with our businesses, with our community organizations, with folks who live in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone has a responsibility, some form of responsibility, to ensure that we have uh, positive engagements to reduce violence. What we do now, we meet twice a month, the community organizations, six of these organizations, and we talk about the violence in the community. And we work with a strategic plan on addressing it. We just don't chase violence. We just, we refuse to chase violence. The goal is to restore peace by block by block. We'll contain what everything else is going on, but we're gonna take these few blocks here and we're going to put all our resources in those areas. Mm-hmm. And then our community organizations are going to help sustain it. We're going to work with our youth. We're going to paint buildings that have graffiti on it. We're going to clean the parks up. We're going to go to the schools and have discussions with the children. But the partnerships that we now have here has not only built more credibility, we have built better relationships. It's to the point now people just come to the 15th district just to hang out or just to talk. Wow. You know, just come in the lobby, you know, unfortunately, we lost uh, quite a few officers. But the amazing thing after that was that how folks in the community came to the 15th district and dropped off flowers, fruit baskets, cards, just, you know, uh, wishing us well, because that's the ultimate goal, to have a working relationship with our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you hear, I use the word our community. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. How, how many uh, officers from the district are from the west side or from the community? Well, I couldn't give you an exact number, but uh-huh. I, I tell you, we have a lot of officers that live on the northwest side. Uh-huh. We have officers from the 15th district who actually grew up on the west side and even mm-hmm. in the 15th district or the 11th district. So we have an understanding of what this community has been going through. Mm-hmm. I myself was born here on the west side of Chicago. I have a, a sergeant who was born on the west side of Chicago. I have a lieutenant who was born on the west side of Chicago. So we have multiple officers who not only work here, but have actually was raised in the community. Mm-hmm. That's got to be super important. Like you being able to like say, I've walked where you've walked. You know, I know what you're dealing with as opposed to just coming in from somewhere else and not knowing the deeply the intricacies of. Well, it's it's huge when you can say that. But at the same time, we have officers who have not lived in this community, but who have embraced it, mm-hmm. who have taken the time to understand what folks are going through in this community. So although it's, it's huge that we, some of us have actually was born in this area, I find it very comforting that we have officers who are taking, taking the time to understand what people have had been through in the area also and have embraced with the strategies that we have in place. Definitely. Lati, I want to ask you a little bit about, I guess, the role that social media plays in gang violence because I think that Facebook played a role in inciting what led to that night that you got shot? Actually, the guys that we was in tour with, they was from that block. So on Facebook, they, you know, they claimed that they did, you know, because mm-hmm. we was on their block, so they claimed the work. But from my, I think it really was the, um, like, the the boy Daddy or his big brother or something, because it, it was a shorty. He was around, like, 11 to 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we was on the corner, and he say, he said, I'll never, she said, that's Cam G. So we ain't know who he was. He's, he's on the people that we in tour with Block, and he said, I'll never, we don't know him. So 
our friend Will, one of my friends that had the gun, he chased the boy in the hallway. And when we went back to um, walk our friend home, he stayed like two or three houses down from where we chased the boy at. So mm-hmm. when we got in the front, you know, um, that's when the shots um, went out. You know, they let off six shots. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, and I was just like laying there like, you know, like I hope, man. Gosh. Yeah. I've heard that social media does play roles a lot in violence or beefs turning into something a lot more. Would you say that's that's the case? In your uh, yeah, um, a lot of people that I know, like, um, they'll run back to Facebook after they like, mm-hmm. you know, do a hit or something like, um, yeah, we just did that or, you know, something like that. Um, but, yeah, I think it do. Um, they, but I don't think it's, it's like... I don't think it's worse. Like, now mm-hmm. how it used to be, how it used to be, people used to, like, um, you know, like, F your dead homie and all that, but people don't do that now. Yeah. I don't think they do it, like, now. I don't really see it on Facebook. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really be on social media like that no more. Gotcha. But, That's probably good. Yeah. Commander Cato, do police officers utilize social media in some way to combat all this negativity and threats and, and violence planning on social media? How does that work? Well, I tell you, uh, social media has played a huge role an increase in violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- young folks have too much access to, to one another. They've used Facebook as a tool to draw the next person out. Uh, a lot of the cases that have been involved with violence has involved some form of social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the shootings, Latiz right, they then will use social media to brag about the things that they have done. Uh, to answer your question, we do use social media as a tool. There's, there's no secret about that. I mean, if you're going to put it out there, we should look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wish young folks will understand just because someone says something that you don't like on social media shouldn't be a reason to grab a gun and shoot someone. You know, I, I wish there was something that was put in place that could actually screen out certain things when you see certain words or or you can tell where the conversation is going. You know, social media also has that geo was a geographical location mm-hmm. type deal on it where they can actually see what a person's sitting wow. at. I've seen yeah. a person get shot. He was going back and forth with one person. It was FaceTiming. Before he knew it, the car had drove over there and had shot. The people in the car had shot him. But uh, we need to teach our kids. Maybe they need something to be placed in the schools. I don't know. <laughs> something we could talk about mm-hmm. that it's not very important to react to negative things on social media. Mm-hmm. So let's see, I'm sure that your buddies, after you kind of decide, you know what, I'm going to stay away from this, I'm going to stay away from the negativity, I'm going to choose a higher road and invest in myself and my future, that they were still trying to get you to come back. So how did you deal with that? Um, You know, just staying away from, like, um, I went to school with them, and that was just it. Uh, but they was always trying to, like, man, come on, man, we missed the old you, man. Like, but I'm telling them, like, nah, he dead, man. Like, he ain't coming back, man. Like. Wow. Yeah, so in my eyes, I used to think, like, they think I'm lame, man, you feel me? Like, right, so, you know, I just, I tried my best to stay away from them and, you know, the negativity. Because I knew they, all they was doing is just, like, you know, negative stuff. And I wasn't on the same stuff, so, you know, I had to choose a different path and get on something better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's so inspiring, man. It's so hard. I mean, peer, peer pressure is, is very difficult to deal with at any stage yeah. in life, but to be able to say, you Do know Do you know what? how courageous that is? Yeah, I mean. That, that takes a lot of courage to be able to step away. Mm-hmm. A lot of young folks, they don't have the uh, 
the ability to be able to say, you know, that's not for me. I'm going to move on because they're in fear of, quote, unquote, as Latisse say, that they may feel like they're lame. Mm-hmm. You know, but it takes a lot of courage to say, hey, that's not right. I don't want to do that. It, you know, it's easy to do the wrong thing. Yeah. It's simple. You just do it. Yeah. But it takes a little courage to stop and think about, hey, that's wrong. I'm not going to do it. I know you're going to think bad of me for not wanting to do it, but I tell you, it's better for me to step away. And, Leti, I tell you, every time you, you, you pretty much talk here, I appreciate you so much more. Yeah, thank you. To, to wrap up, I guess, Leti, is there, like, if you could send, spread a message into the heads of all the young people coming up on the West Side, or, like, something that you really wish that they could understand, what yeah. do you think that could be? Um, don't be a follower. You know, be a leader. And if it's negativity, then definitely don't follow. You know, try to, um, you know, be a positive role model, like, for your little brother or little sister or somebody because they might look up to you. Sure. Do you have any truth or wisdom that you would in sure. mass? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to say that, you know, everyone makes mistakes in their lives. We all do. And there's really no room for judging folks for making their mistakes but just because you make a mistake, that doesn't mean that's the end of your chapter. You have to understand the mistakes that you have made. You need to improve on them, and you can change your chapter. Latia, you have changed your narrative, my friend. <laughs> you, you, I, I, you have changed your narrative, and I know you have changed your narrative because I know the truth of your past, yeah. and it hasn't been a pleasant past. But I, you stand before me today is a totally different young man, and it just goes to show you people can change. People can change and make other people's lives better. Mm-hmm. And you have made my life better, young man. So thank you for that. Yeah. Is there anything you guys want to say, either one of you, to each other before we wrap up? Well, Ati, I'll leave you with this. And I sincerely mean this. If there's anything that I could help you to continue your progress, or if you slip, you can always come see me, and I'll help you get back on that path, or I'll help you f- uh, find a way to help you further what you want to do. We'll find the resources for you. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. Let's see you got any final thoughts on any your on your past, your future. I just wanna, you know, thank Bill for all the things they did for me, you know. Um I'm proud of myself for making a big change in life. Um you know, I'm just proud of myself. You know, I want to keep doing good, and you know, I want to make someone big in life. I might want to be a police officer when I get Hey, we need you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's it though, man. That's fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much for thank coming you. and stopping by uh, Build Radio. Hopefully, maybe we'll see you again sometime at Commander Cato. That's right. Smith. We'll see you guys around. Thank I'll you so stand. much. Thank, thank you. you. And that is our show this time around. Thanks so much to Commander Cato and Latisse Smith for not just coming on the show, but also for being two just exceptional and, and really inspiring individuals. As always, thank you so much for listening. It seems simple, but by doing so, you're helping raise awareness for truly impactful and life-changing work, the proof of which we just heard. So support us. Help us change the paths of more young people like Lati. If you're able, make a donation. You can do so on our website or use the Roundup app where your purchases are rounded up to the next dollar and your spare change goes to build. A little change can make a lot of change. If you're maybe not ready yet to become a donor, there's many more ways to support. Show us some love on social media, at Build Chicago, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Also, a review or rating of this podcast on iTunes would mean so much. If you have some spare time and want to get involved, email a volunteer at buildchicago.org. Join the Build family and see how working to change young people's lives will absolutely change yours. Make sure, of course, you subscribe to our Builder newsletters for boosts of inspiration straight to your inbox. 
you can do so from the homepage of our website. If you're interested in hearing more stories of Build Impact or how Build was built, check out our Build 50th Stories podcast, where we sit down with alumni, staff, founders, volunteers, board members, and more to hear about how they were shaped or helped shape Build. Find that at soundcloud.com slash build 50th stories. That's soundcloud.com slash build 50th stories. Build is one of the fastest growing nonprofits in Chicago, and we want you to be a part of our mission as we continue to climb. Remember, Chicago is all of our community. The best way to build it is to do it together. So for Build Radio, I've been Benji Wax, and thank you so much for listening. Keep an eye out for the next episode, and do some good out there. And you're listening to Build Radio. Build hope, build lives, and build futures. Woo!